you're listening to sermon audio from Ankeny Free Church in Ankeny, Iowa, a community in Christ on a mission to reach our community for Christ. To learn more, head over to ankenyfree.church. This morning, if there's anything that we can do to better serve you, just know um, we would love to do that. I'm excited to have you with us to worship the Lord. For those of you that uh, do call Ankeny Free Church your home, I just want to, uh, that we are completing now our harvest week. And so this has been a great week. You see here we have our Operation Christmas Child things. There's been things we've been doing all week. And today is the time where we highlight the harvest offering. Uh, This year we're making a bigger ask. We're hoping to do um, things to the exterior of our building and to participate in a project with AgriHope over in in Zambia in order to be able to uh, further the gospel. And in order to be able to do that, the harvest offering this year needs to be about four times, three to four times what it normally is. And so we're doing this bigger ask. You know, this church started... In the 70s, some people came and they felt like there needed to be a gospel presence. And very quickly, they formed a church here and they worshipped in what is now our fireside room. They quickly outgrew that and then they worshipped into what is now our gym. And through ups and downs, the Lord has been faithful and continued to increase in gospel impact throughout our time. We've, we've done a lot of things here in our church. We've redone just about every room, except for Judy would like to remind me, the kitchen. <laughs> we've, and I think I can say this because I had next to no hand in it. I think the inside is absolutely beautiful. We've been very faithful with everything the Lord has given us, and we've used it um, for His glory. However, our outside uh, needs attention. Uh, The buildings don't quite look like each other, especially our student center um, needs some necessary maintenance. Um, And we've tried um, some things just to make sure that we are at least a decent neighbor in this neighborhood. One of the problems, though, is, is that People don't recognize this as a place of worship. And, and while we have many people, as you can look around here, that are, that are here, most of you are here because someone invited you, maybe a few of you found us online, I, I can guarantee you almost none of you found us by just driving around. One person has said that we are the best kept secret in all of Ankeny, and we'd like that to change. I, I remember one time... I was on a Sunday morning in our parking lot and this car pulls up and this lady jumps out. It's a group of people and she looks a little bit frantic and she goes, I am looking, we are from Clinton and we are here to worship at the free church here in Ankeny. Do you know where Ankeny Evangelical Free Church is? And I'm looking at her and I'm like, you're here. You're here. And she's like, well, we wondered if it was there, but that, that other, it said Episcopal Church, so we thought maybe that was it, but maybe it's not. And so now we're, we're here. 
and we wonder what, you know, um, I could repeat these kinds of stories over and over and over again. Uh, look, it's, it's not about the building, but it's about our ability to do gospel ministry here in the place that God has called us to. It's about making disciples that make disciples. And that's exactly what the Lord is doing. Last week, we had a, a middle school outreach. It was a fun time in the evening, but we had more middle schoolers attend than we've ever seen before. And we had 10 middle schoolers make serious commitments to the Lord, and three of those placed their faith and trust in Jesus for the first time. It's things like that. Yeah, amen. Amen. It's things like that. That is what we are about. Um, in order to do those things in this day and age, you need a, a roof that doesn't leak. Um, we we want to have some semblance of being um, known in the community. And, and we want to continue to shine a light brightly. And so I want you to prayerfully consider um, what it is that the Lord might have you do uh, for this harvest offering. And give, there's a little QR code there that you can do that if you want to write a check. There's some boxes in the back. If you need some more time to pray or if you're like, I can't give now, but we'd like to postpone and kind of dedicate a gift maybe in 2024 for this. Yeah, there's options uh, for all of that. But we want to continue not just being faithful now, but being faithful in the future to have a gospel legacy in this part of town. We are the neighborhood church. There's not a ton of gospel preaching churches on, on this side of Ankeny, and we want to continue to be a, a faithful presence. And so if you would, I want to spend a little bit of extra time in prayer. Bow with me. In truth, we have nothing but you, O Christ, and nothing that we might call our own. So let that good confession now compel a better stewardship. First, teach us to treasure you, Jesus, above all things. Then let that increasing devotion be increasingly demonstrated in a joyful generosity. For to give is to live out the declaration that you alone are our provision and supply, and we need not fear then. What comes tomorrow? When we give to meet the needs of others, when we give to the work of those who serve the poor, the sick, the oppressed, when we give to the service of your body and your kingdom, we give not what is ours, but only what is already yours. With every charitable act, we are simply practicing the fact that nothing which passes through our hands has ever belonged to us. You are our generous master. Make us your faithful trustee teaching us to live as a wiser conduit of this liberal grace, learning to hold loosely the things of this world, never hoarding that which is yours, never seeking the means of preservation of our own comforts. Rather, let us love well in our giving, even as you, O Father, have loved us well by giving us all things in Christ. Let us give precisely because we have believed your promises are true, and let our giving be the proof. If you are our shepherd, then we are freed to live generously, knowing that we will never want for any needful thing, knowing that any seeming deprivation is but a work of your Spirit, weaning us from a world of things and, weaning, and winning us to a greater dependence upon Christ our King. 
So why should we grasp at that which we cannot keep? This body will sleep in death, and what we hold now so briefly will pass into the keeping of another. We own nothing here. We have no claim. Rather, let us learn while we draw breath to live with open hands and a joy-filled heart, investing your resources in your good works. Let us plant these mortal seeds in expectation of immortal harvests. All we have is yours, Lord Jesus. All that we have is you. Use then these gifts for works of love and mercy unto the increase of your glory. Amen. Today, as we turn in 1 Peter chapter 2, is a Veterans Day weekend. And um, my dad never wanted to stand up, but I just I want to say thank you to the men and women that serve our country in that way and who have served our country in that way, um, putting your life in harm's way so that we might be safe. Thank you. I didn't serve in the military. Um, My dad did, and so did some of you. Um, And I imagine when you were 17 or so and you signed up, you didn't realize that in some ways this would be a part of your identity to the end, if especially if you wanted it to be. Uh, it certainly was when you signed up, right? You, you enlisted and they told you what to wear and how to cut your hair and um, where to walk and what to do. You were set aside for this task. And even as you continued on, there are physical requirements. Uh, you had to be prepared for the things that you were called to do. I mean, when... When you became a veteran and your military career was over, there were, there were still things, maybe relationships, obligations. Um, there's an, an administration in the government that was sent to care for you and to, to treat your needs well. There was still some distinction or, or special attention given to you be, because of that identity. And in the end, When you die, there'll be a service. And most normally there will be, um, there'll be seven seven other service people that will come out with rifles and they they will each shoot three times. There'll be two active service members who will unfurl and fold a flag and they will kneel before your next of kin and on behalf of the president and the country they will thank you for your loved one's service there is something then when that 17 year old said this seems like a good idea that changes then who you are. It it forms a a part of your identity. Here in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter is going to 
base his argument that he goes on throughout the rest of this chapter and the next and really far into the book of what you are to do on who you are. That that what God has done for us now changes how we walk then in this world. It has tremendous impact. And that's what we're going to look at today. Peter has already been doing this. He's already been at work reminding them of our salvation that comes from above. The work of God through Christ, not because of what we have done, not because of our own efforts. And not only that, but but this has come to us through these Old Testament prophets. And they were writing not for their own sake, but for you. And, And then that same spirit that was at work in them sent messengers, these evangelists, to give the message of the gospel to you. And you believed and now you are to live set apart holy lives. Holy lives dedicated, then Peter says, toward loving one another. And now before he goes off and tells you how you ought to walk in this world, he reminds his readers and reminds us one more time exactly who we are. You are a new people with a new identity. And we need to embrace that. So... If you would, please stand. If there's any words worth giving attention to, it is what I'm about to read. I will start in 1 Peter chapter 2. I'll be reading verse 4 to verse 10. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. Whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let us pray. Father, we ask that in this moment you would speak to us of who we are in this world. Lord, we have lots of ideas who we are, but I pray that you would do a work now by your word through your spirit to transform our minds. So Lord, I pray that you would speak through me or in spite of me, but may your spirit do the work your word intends in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. All right, our our passage breaks apart rather simply. It talks about 
the honor, the stumbling, and the new you. There's the honor for those who believe, the stumbling by those who reject, and the new you for those that have been transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ. And so let's start right now in the honor. He reads here, it reads here, verse 4, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So now he has shifted. He has told us that we are family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are children of the living God where he is our father. And now we are being told that we are stones being built up into a spiritual house. This special building on which God is making. We see this sort of language in Hebrews chapter 3 where God is building us up together into something special, something holy, uh, something uh, that, is, that is greater than anything that has been, any building that has been built before. And we see this not only with us, but as it says in verse 6, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And so this building has as its cornerstone the Lord Jesus Christ. This prophecy comes from Isaiah chapter 28. Uh, That time in Isaiah, they were in a very bad state. Assyrians were coming down, lots of turmoil. Isaiah's looking toward the future, and it doesn't look too bright, except that God is going to bring someone this this cornerstone, this chosen precious cornerstone uh, that Everything else is going to be built on top of. And we're going to be a part of that, built upon Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever built with stones. I have an uncle, my uncle Don, he worked construction, he did HVAC stuff. But on the side, he had kind of an artistic I don't know. I, there's lots of things he liked to do, but one of the things he loved to do was he used to make these stone structures. He would do a retaining wall. He would make it out of stones that he'd collected. He made these stairs. He did this thing in front of their church property that's just absolutely beautiful, made out of these stones. But the thing I remember was on the other side, he built this wall that kind of separated this hill and this stair going down to a patio And this wall was like 10 to 12 feet long and about a foot and a half, two feet wide. And it was made out of stones with mortar in between. And I remember as a kid, man, we used to just play on that thing all the time. We would run on it, jump off of it, climb all around it. I, I just thought it was cool and so did everyone else. But I imagine the adults there were a little conflicted. And I think later on as I got older, I, I got a word that, hey, maybe let's not jump on this thing because it's kind of nice and special. Um, you know, you may, may wind up tearing it up. But they loved seeing the kids have fun on it. And I didn't fully understand all that went into that until I happened to be in another country with my dad and we were looking at someone actually building a stone structure. And I don't know if you've ever seen this, but there's just all these stones out there in a field And there's a guy walking around, kind of picking the stones that he wants. It's a giant puzzle in which you don't know if you have all the pieces. You're you're trying to figure out how this goes in with that. 
You have to have a, a mind for construction, but you also have a, an artistic view, being able to see in three dimensions how this is going to play out, how not only is it going to be stable, but what is this going to look like on the outside? And the image here is this, is that the Lord is walking around in this field of stones, and He's building something, something special. And He sees these stones out there, and, and we are some of those stones. And he comes to you and he says, I want that one. I'm picking that one for my building, and I'm going to put it there. I, I'm, I'm picking this other one, and, and, and it's going to be there as well. And, and at the corner is the Lord himself, the foundation, the, the cornerstone, the, the place where everything else gets built off of, and the structure is secure. To be a part of this, it is an honor. That's what he says, verse 7. So the honor is for you who believe. There's an honor in being chosen. There's an honor in being picked. In a world where sometimes honor is, is a little bit dubious, um, you can be famous or infamous. A part of something now, just to be cursed later. But here is something where the honor doesn't diminish. That God is, is saying that for you who believe, it's not only salvation from your sins, it's not only a rescue from wrath, it's not only everlasting life, but it's an honor. You're being lifted up, held high. The Lord is honoring you that you can be a part of this, this great thing. In contrast, we see there is stumbling. For those who do not believe, verse 7, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. There's other people walking around in this field they are the smart people of this world. They're the so-called uh, religious leaders of this world. They're so-called the, the, the powerful people of this world. And, and they're looking at this cornerstone and they are saying, I, I don't, not only do I not want this as a cornerstone, I don't even want this to be a part of the building. Uh, they're rejecting the very stone that is meant to be the foundation. Again, we see this in Psalm 118, and we see it again here in, in Isaiah chapter 8, repeated in the book of Romans, that the one that the so-called people in the know would pick is not the Lord Jesus. They're rejecting that and choosing something else. And in their choosing this, the very rock upon which they should stand upon is the rock that causes them to go down, to fall, to stumble. You're either lifted up to honor or you're stumbling when you come across this rock. Has anyone ever fallen down before? When I was 17, I got to go to a college campus on some sort of college day with my friends. And you know, it's like super cool, right? And you're kind of 
trying to be all mature and you don't want anyone to think you're a high school student and run around campus trying not to be goofy, but you're like super excited, so you're kind of goofy. Well, I don't want to be embarrassed. That's kind of the, the crux. So we are going up these steps and, you know, because I'm a little nervous or whatever, I'm, I'm going up these steps there and I have my hands in my pocket and I trip. Have you ever fallen with your hands in your pockets? You can't, I couldn't get it out. And it's and just right on my face. Now, I mean, it wasn't any physical damage. Um, my ego was destroyed though. Um, and it's very embarrassing. And as you can tell, I, I still kind of feel embarrassed to this day, a decade later. <laughs> I don't know, the last part wasn't supposed to be that funny. <laughs> That's what's happening. That's what's happening. And they stumble, here it says, because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Uh, they were... Um, here, we, we just have, in all this picture, we have, we have a picture of God's sovereignty. They, they were either stumbling because they were destined to disobey the word, or, or God is sovereign because he has said, when you disobey the word, you are destined to stumble. But in either case, we see that God is building this house, um, not these other builders. And, and before we move on, we have two more points. But before we move on, I just want to stop here. There are some of you, and what you need to do is you need to decide what it is that you're going to do about Jesus. What is it that you're going to do with Jesus? Uh, Peter presents two clear options. He is either the cornerstone of your life, or he has no part of it. We can't just use a bit of Jesus. We don't just get to use a small chunk in this building that's being built. He's either the, the foundation, he's either everything, or he's nothing. And the trajectory here is one of, of honor and glory extending to heaven or of stumbling and failing to the depths of hell. And that's what's here before us today. And for some of you, I'm going to say some other things. You don't have to listen. You just need to focus right now on Jesus. And, and if he is not the foundation of your life, I want you to wrestle with that right now. Do I believe? Do I believe? Do I put my hope in the one stone that, that will lift me up? The one stone that will bring honor and distinction? The one stone that will bring salvation? Or am I going to reject that just like the so-called smart people of every day and age only to stumble and fall. And if you have questions about that, I'm around afterward. Grab one of the other staff, one of the elders, maybe the person that brought you here. We'd love to walk with you on what trusting in Christ looks like if you have questions about that. But we must not move past that if you're not sure where this rock belongs. For those of you, however, that understood the honor and the stumbling and have trusted in Christ so that he is your foundation stone, 
We have a glorious word. There's an all new you. There is the new you that we read about. One of my favorite words in the Bible I see right here, verse 9, it's the word but. <laughs> it's the word but. It's you are you have those that are stumbling because they disobey the word, but that's not you. But you are something else. You are something different. You're a people with a new identity. You are a chosen people, which is interesting. As you look at all the different people groups on the world, what makes a people group, right? Uh, Maybe ethnicity, maybe culture, maybe language. But we're a part of a people that's not defined by any of those things. We are a people because of God's goodness and grace through us through a son chosen. We are a royal priesthood. We're not just a bunch of commoners that have no rights to anything. No, we're, we're, a, we're in the line of the family of the king. We are not just ordinary, unclean people just walking through the years. We're a royal priesthood given special distinction, honor. There is a, a holiness and a commitment that we have We are a holy nation, a set-apart group where it's not defined by geographic boundaries, but instead it's about the reign of the Lord in our own hearts that we become a part of this kingdom through faith. And we are just not a people that gets God, but we are a people that God gets a people for his own possession. The good news of Jesus Christ is that we get God, but it's also that God gets us. And we are here to proclaim his excellencies to a lost and hurting world. We are here to declare the good news of Jesus Christ. That is why we are enduring here. That is why we are collected together to glorify the Lord, to let a world know that There is a good and gracious God who wants to rescue and redeem people. And it's not mere information. We all know. Because we are in the darkness. We are in the abyss. We were lost without hope. And He took us from there and pulled us into His marvelous light there was a time you were a nobody a nothing you you were not a people you had you were unhinged from everything just wandering around in the chaos of this world but now not, not just that you are a people but you're god's people there was a time where the where you had god's wrath upon you But now, you have His mercy upon you. There has been a great movement in your life. As we see in Colossians 1.13, He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness in order to bring us into the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And this changes us, ladies and gentlemen, And I just want to remind you that we are a new people with a new identity. And we need to hold on to this thought 
because this thought is going to be the basis of the rest of this chapter and the one following and part of the one after that. And I do want you to come back here week after week what it is that this helps you do, but I do think there's something here for us now, even though the big to-dos will come later on in the passage. So what do we do with this wonderful truth? So what? So what? Do you guys, you guys probably know what this is. These are little earbuds, right? Mine are cheap, so they're not AirPods, but they do the same thing. You put this in your ear, and it syncs to a Bluetooth, and you have your playlist or whatever it is that you put in, right? And you put this in, and kind of drowns the world out, and you focus. You can maybe do things, but they have to be kind of mindless tasks because really what the focus is is on what's going on in your mind. We all have these, and I don't mean these physically. We all have something that sinks to our ears, and it's messages that come either from the outside or our heart. There is a playlist of our lives. The issue with this playlist is that oftentimes it stinks. It's just absolute garbage. We all have problems in this world, but our self-talk takes those problems and turns it into something that will destroy us. And because we are a new people with a new identity, well, we can have victory here in our self-talk. Uh, Romans uh, chapter 12 tells us that, that, we, that we are off to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, that this is our spiritual act of worship. Here, going back to the earlier language of us being um, those that give spiritual sacrifices, not that we need to earn our salvation or somehow atone for our sin, but that our, our lives are to be given out in service to the Lord. And the key place where that starts is by the transformation, the renewal of our own minds. And so I think that we need to start doing some of that. We need to really recognize the problem maybe before we can find the solution. And I think the problem is, for many of us, is our own self-talk. It's a huge problem. And we see this problem in three different ways. We, we make these problems personal, we make them pervasive, and we make them permanent. Personal, pervasive, and permanent. I'll take them there in turn. We make them personal. Uh, we all mess up. We do. We all have regrets. There's things that we don't like or we want to live a holy life before God and we blow it in some area or we're inadequate in some area. Now, we don't want to be blind to that fact, but sometimes what happens is that we say, well, I didn't do something wrong. I am wrong. Everything I touch is tainted. Everything I, I do is cursed. It's not that I failed. It's that I am failure. And, and we make our identity about our problems. What we see in this passage is there's a surpassing identity as to who you are. There's a greater identity as to who you are. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people for his own possession. You are someone that was sitting in the dark and God got you and brought you into his light. There was a time you were just a nobody. Nowhere, no, nothing. 
but now you're God's people. There was a time where you didn't receive mercy, but now, but now, but now, you're someone who has received mercy. And the problem is, is those songs don't make our playlist, do they? Uh, Those songs aren't the things that we're reminded of. We tend to reject those messages. Um, We need to put that on play a bit more and realize that that, there are problems, right? In Christ, we have a new identity. In, In Christ, we have a new hope. And so therefore, we need to remind ourselves of who we really are in order that we might walk in holiness and in mission for the Lord. We also tend to make our problems pervasive, right? What I mean by that is, so you messed up in one area. Well, I'm just a failure in all areas, right? Maybe you got into, maybe you're having relationship difficulties. You just feel like you're a failure in all of life. Maybe, maybe things aren't going well at work or school. Well, I'm just... I'm just awful everywhere. And, and you tend to look at everything as, as a curse, as I've, I've made too many mistakes and I just make mistakes everywhere. It, your life is devoid of thankfulness and gratitude. You fail to see the good things that God is doing. Now, make no mistake. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, and you will. And in fact, there is probably no book that hones in on the sort of trouble that Christians have quite like 1 Peter does. He's going to dive way into the sufferings that Christians have. However, we're, we're a people for his own possession. They were obviously able to proclaim the excellencies of him. There were good things that God was doing in their life. There is is promise and there is hope. It's true, at one point, you were in darkness. But now you're in light. And yeah, maybe your finances aren't going so well. But you're in the light. And yes, maybe that relationship is kind of going sideways and there needs to be help, but... But you're a chosen people. And, and yes, oh, oof. wow, I don't know if there's any rescuing this math grade. But you're a royal priesthood. Your problems, yeah, they're, they're, they're problems. But you have the King of kings and Lord of lords with you to solve those problems. And then lastly, we make them Permanent that we look at these mistakes, and they tend to compound, don't they? You know, I am failure. Um, there, I failed in this area, so therefore I'm failing in all areas. And this is the trajectory of my life. This is, this is the dark path that is going to be my future from now till I die. Oh, let's just hasten that day. We make it permanent, don't we? There, there is no hope. There's no hope now. There's no hope in the future. And we think that there's no hope because we simply look at our own little bag of resources that what am I going to do to be able to change this situation? And we're very limited in our options, aren't we? 
But we become like a false prophet and we fail to see a future where God is in it. We fail to see the Lord of lords, the King of kings who reigns over all things. Uh, The one who is going to bring all things to culmination and who is actively working even now in this world. We, We fail to see all of that. We just simply look at our own effort and we get very, very discouraged. I don't know how many of you watched some college football this weekend, right? If you did, I imagine most of you are rather encouraged. Ohio State did well. I think there's some Michigan fans here. But of course, Iowa and Iowa State both won. That's, I think, a big part of this. I would like to say I want to encourage every one of you to be a Grandview Viking fan. They are here locally. They got by on the skin of their teeth this week, winning 40 to nothing. It was, it was close. It was close. Mizzou won. There's some teams that didn't win. Um, it, it's, it just seems like piling on at this point to, to highlight them. And for many of you, you kind of felt like life went better or worse on how that team did. It could have been an awful day, but at least the Hawks got through Rutgers. You know, you could be a South Feeder school, and, you know, I'm so glad that, you know, Ankeny beat Centennial or whatever, right? You, you, you have these feelings. And yet, for almost all of you, not all, but almost all of you, you did absolutely nothing to secure that victory. You did nothing. I want you to think of this. We are excited about the future, not because of us, but because of what God is doing. Uh, Let me put it a different way. If we are this new people, right, this chosen people, if we are this holy nation, if we're part now of this royal lineage and a part of this priesthood, right? how, how is all of that going? Well, how, how is the king doing? How, how is the king doing in his ruling of this nation, of this people, of this royal priesthood? How is he doing? Well, let me tell you what. The Lord Jesus, well, he's crushing it. He is absolutely crushing it. He he is trampling down his enemies in this broken world. And and there is a future and a hope for all of us. And and while maybe it seems like all we are doing is cheering on the sidelines, we can take joy in our future because a lot like most of us, as we just simply watch the game and rely on someone else, so too, that's how our future is, is that we're relying on a king who gives us a victory. Our identity is found here in the Lord. We place our faith in Jesus on this cornerstone, and it is an honor. It is an honor to be a part of that. One of the ways that we do this, um, the way described in the Bible to acknowledge this, is through baptism. And we have a baptism today. If Chrissy would come forward. Oh, Father, it is so exciting. It is so exciting to see that that what you have done changes who we are. And Lord, I pray 
I, I pray that, that we cherish the work of Jesus Christ and that it transforms us. It transforms us in our thinking. It transforms us in our mission. Lord, we want to be a place that, that shines a bright light here in this world. A, a place where the excellencies of all that you have done for us are proclaimed. A place where people are, are brought from darkness into your glorious light. Lord, a, a place where there is transformation and renewal. A place where there is a gospel legacy both now and until you return. Lord, we pray for that. And we ask, Lord, for your grace as a church. Be with us because there are many of us that are struggling. And there is a darkness. There are things that have claws inside of our life. There's worry and anxiety. There, There is a desire for things that has taken an unhealthy place in our life. And Lord, we ask, that the goodness of Jesus Christ, the power of the Spirit, would begin to triumph over that. I pray we would listen to Your voice, Your voice found in Your Word. Your voice through good Christian friends that tell us the things we need to hear versus the playlist of our mind, which is rotten, broken oftentimes, only leading us to darkness and lies. So renew us, we pray, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray you are blessed and encouraged by this week's message, and we invite you to join us every Sunday, in person or online, for morning worship. Have questions about what it means to know and follow Jesus? Simply email Todd at ankenyfree.church. Thanks for listening.